0: The trend is generally, but gradually upward. We should start there with Nebraska's defense, which begins the 2021 season with some of the most returning production in the country. Eric Shenander's shirts have gotten a little bit better each of the past three seasons. You can see that at the play level, the Huskers' defensive success rate has improved from 44.9% in 2018 to 43.1% in 2019 to 427 last year that's simply a measure of what percentage of plays the opposing offense, quote unquote, wins based on hitting yardage thresholds that vary by down. You can see the black shirts progress at the drive level too. In 2018, the Huskers defense allowed a touchdown on 31.8% of drives, then it was 26.1, then it was 28.6 in 2020. A slight downgrade from the previous season, though it doesn't feel like much of one given that Nebraska played a conference-only schedule. Most obviously, you can see it in points, the actual currency of the game. In 2018, Nebraska allowed 34.3 per game against conference opponents. That improved to 30 the next year and 29.4 last year. That's all good for Nebraska. That's all progress. But here's the question and the complication. In all of those categories I just mentioned, Nebraska's defense went from the bottom third nationally to about average, maybe a little better in some cases. In today's college football, you can expect the average defense to allow about 28 points per game. Shenander, after three seasons leading the defense, has the Huskers there. But in a league where Ohio State does whatever it wants on both sides of the ball, Penn State tries to keep up by doing the same. And the rest of the conference contenders, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, Michigan, and Indiana, at least lately, tend to win with defense is simply hitting the national average enough. With the fifth most returning defensive production in the country, the black shirt should improve again in 2021. But how high is the ceiling? You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast. I'm Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. If you were a listener of the IED Preview Podcast last year, first, thank you, and second, welcome back, we made it. But for experienced listeners, that entire preamble was probably not what you're used to. The idea behind this podcast is to give you, the loyal and logical Husker fan, an in-depth preview each week, something that goes deeper than surface level. We called it the Eighty preview because, worst case scenario, if you're not anxiously waiting by your computer each Thursday for this to drop, you can listen to it on your drive to Lincoln for the game. That's what we typically do here. But for this preseason episode, and we'll tackle offense, figuratively speaking, next week, you're getting something different. Everything you just heard and everything you'll hear after this brief aside appears as a premium story on HailVarsity.com. Real words on paper, or rather a screen. Though your Hale Varsity subscription will get you words on paper in the form of monthly issues of our almost award-winning magazine. Almost award-winning? It's fine. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, my aim for this, as you're probably learning at this point, is twofold. To mark the return of the ID preview for another season and show you how I try to break things down, one but also to give those of you who may not subscribe a taste of what we do on HailVarsity.com. So yes, you could say that I'm just reading an article I wrote and turning it into a podcast, but I call that voice acting. Hopefully my voice doesn't give out. I haven't spoken to anyone for this long since, Oh, about March of 2020. Anyway, back to the black shirts. Here's a thought experiment. Let's agree that Nebraska's defense is gradually improving. Now think of an amount of money that you would not be comfortable losing and add $1 to that just to make it extra uncomfortable. If you had to bet that amount on Nebraska's defense doing one thing at a high level this season, could be stopping the run, getting off the field on third down, rushing the passer, anything. What is that one thing? Maybe you had an easy answer, but statistically speaking, it's hard to identify such a calling card from the past three seasons. For this piece, I took 30 defensive categories Dropped them all in a spreadsheet, and then color coded Nebraska's numbers based on national rank. Dark green for the best in the country, transitioning to yellow in the middle, then to dark red for the worst teams in the country. Shout out to conditional formatting and Microsoft Excel. Looking at the past three seasons at one time, bands of green would be good, bands of red bad. There were neither. Instead, you had a lot of yellow, a green here, a red there, no easily identifiable pattern. No calling cards, so to speak. That's not necessarily a problem, though I wouldn't call it ideal either. Nebraska's defense is broadly getting better, even if I can't exactly say with much certainty what it's been great at. But with this much production returning, three of the top four DBs, eight of the top nine tacklers from 2020, the expectation should be for continued improvement in 2021. With that as a baseline and a fairly murky identity beyond that, maybe growth opportunities are the way to go here. If the black shirts continue a gradual upward trend naturally, what are the things that could perhaps jolt them from a reasonable outcome, say top 40 defense, to something more unreasonable and better? Here are three areas I'll be watching closely this season. Number one, digging in in the trenches. There was little reason to expect Nebraska's defensive line to be better in 2020 than it was in the year before. The Huskers lost three key players up front, Carlos and Khalil Davis, Darian Daniels, and all three ended up on NFL rosters. The cupboard wasn't bare and Ben Stilley was effectively a fourth starter. Tackle Damian Daniels played a lot in 2019. And the next wave was full of potential, but this was still a significant talent drain on the defensive line. Yet, Tony Tuioti's group posted three-year highs in power success rate, stuff rate, and defensive line yards. Three measures that, to varying degrees, try to isolate D-line play. The 2020 group didn't cause as much havoc, pass breakups, tackles for loss, and force fumbles, as the 2019 line did. It was more just stout. And stout's a good thing to be in the Big Ten. It might be a prerequisite. Teams ran the ball 54% of the time against Nebraska in 2020. The highest rate yet of the Frost era, yet did so to increasingly diminishing returns. The Huskers' success rate against the run, 41.1%, was the best of the past three seasons, ranking 51st. That's still not something I'd be willing to call a trait, but it's in the neighborhood. Improving by two percentage points in rushing success rate will put the Huskers in the vicinity of Ohio State and Iowa from last year. It would take an improvement of 10 points to be close to what Wisconsin, the conference leader, did in 2020. And that's probably not in the cards for this season, but two percentage points, assuming a similar amount of non-garbage time rushes as in 2019, the Huskers last 12 game season, improving by two percentage points would be the difference of stopping about 10 more runs on the year. How can flipping 10 rushes from successful to unsuccessful make that much of a difference? Fair question. The beautiful thing about football is that nothing on its own is the thing. It's all intertwined. Stop 10 more rushes, You're giving your defense not just 10 good plays, but an advantage on 10 10 more plays that follow in terms of down and distance. If you give up explosive plays on all 10 that follow, then it's all for naught. The point, however, is that those plays should be less likely based on the previous first and 10 run the defense just stopped for, say, a two-yard gain. Think of defensive success rate as starting a boulder rolling downhill, or maybe think of it as playing perfect strategy in blackjack that can be fairly mundane, not making any choices of your own, but it gives you the best chance at success. That type of play should be attainable for this Nebraska defensive line. Would it be more fun to think about what a really great sack rate would mean for this defense? Yeah, it would. But Nebraska ranked 97th nationally in sack rate last year. And if you see any ready Randy Gregory's walking around, let me know because I haven't. Stopping the run, being sound up front, and letting a group of linebackers that Frost himself said can run, do just that, could offer some pretty big returns. Again, this is something that should be attainable for a veteran group on the offensive line. A sub-40% success rate against the run is the goal here, and it's going to be a good way to track this defense throughout the season. Growth opportunity number two. Was it the distance or the defense? If three-year strengths are tough to identify with this group, One of the benefits of such a facetless improvement is that persistent weaknesses aren't easy to find either. In 2018, the biggest flaw was an inability to consistently stop the run, but the rushing success rate improved the next year and again the year after. The most glaring issue in 2019 was run stopping specifically in short yardage situations. That's a specialized scenario. One a defense doesn't encounter all that often, but it stood out. A year later, Nebraska was pretty good when it came to gutting out stops with less than three yards to go. The big problem in 2020 was only there for half of the year. Through Nebraska's first four games last season, the Huskers were awful on third down, allowing opponents to convert 54% of the time, which ranked 100th nationally. Over the last four games, Nebraska allowed a conversion 24.5% of the time, 10th nationally. What changed? It wasn't just increased resolve. Not playing Ohio State over the final four games helped, sure. In an eight-game season, the Buckeyes can wreck some numbers pretty easily. But a more direct answer is that the Huskers started having more success on other downs, namely first down. Again, everything's intertwined. Over the first four games, the opponent's average third down distance was 5.3 yards. Over the final four, it was eight yards. Proportionally, since this is the I-80 preview, That's the difference between having to drive from Kimball to North Platte for a first down and having to go from Kimball to Kearney. Yes, I grew up in the Panhandle, and all of my references begin in the West. Deal with it. The crazy thing about that is Nebraska really didn't improve that much from a yards-allowed perspective on first down, giving up 5.2 yards per play during the bad third-down times and 5 during the good third-down times. What did change, however, was Nebraska's success rate on first down. 43.4% 43.4% over the first half of the season, 333 over the second half. The yards didn't change much, as opponents still had some success and hit some big plays when they did. But the frequency changed, as the Blackshirts won first down two-thirds of the time over the last half of the season. That's another nice thing about having a veteran defense. This is the perfect time to really try to fine-tune situational football. If every football coach in the world, at every level, Stresses the importance of third down because the result, get off the field or stay on it, is binary and just to play away. Nebraska should be in a position with this level of experience to be more abstract than that. Win first down. Take the upper hand. This group saw the rewards firsthand a year ago. This is the time for that kind of detail work, and there are other areas worthy of attention. Nebraska posted its worst points-per-drive average in 2020 on opponent drives across the Huskers 40, red zone defense has to start before the red zone, even if all anyone is going to look at is the fairly arbitrary definition of the last 20 yards. That would be a consistent message if I were coaching the defense, which everyone should be thankful I'm not. The pass defense has to get better too, and there's no reason it shouldn't given what the Huskers return, both in terms of starters and up-and-comers in the secondary. Nebraska's improved success rate with the run came with a steep drop in that same category against the pass. That can't be the case again. Not with two starting safeties back, along with one of Nebraska's two best defenders, Cam Taylor Britt, at quarterback. The value of experience is not having to start from scratch, as multiple assistants on the defensive side have said throughout fall camp. What happens on third down, what happens when opponents cross the Huskers 40, and what happens against the pass are three of the first categories I'll look at to determine if Nebraska is getting the most out of what having a veteran defense should offer. Number three, a difficult discussion of luck. I wouldn't say I have an Ahab-like infatuation with turnovers, but I also have to admit it's closer to that than than it is not infatuated at all. Turnovers are maddening. These random moments of a ball popping out of a running back's hand or a quarterback throwing it to the wrong team. They occur on less than 1.5% of all the plays in a given season, yet they decide games. They can often be, to put it in pickup basketball terms, next basket wins when you're playing to 11 by ones and twos and your team's up 9-3. How is that fair? It's not. And neither are turnovers. You can't really control them, at least not in any replicable way I've been able to find, yet they are reality. And the reality here for Nebraska's defense is they've earned more than they've gotten the past three seasons. Over that stretch, the average defense has recovered an opponent fumble, 49.7% of the time, which makes sense because that's what the number always is, right around 50%. Fumbles being coin coin flips on a large scale is one of the inalterable truths of the game. Over the past three seasons, Nebraska has recovered 40.4% of opponent fumbles, or five fewer than expected over 32 games. Most of that total came last year when Nebraska's opponents fumbled 13 times, and the Huskers recovered just two. That's four and a half recoveries below expectation, which might have a pretty big impact in an eight-game season when you stop and think about it. Interceptions are similarly steady as a function of passes defended. The number is about 20% each year. Huskers, the Huskers are at 17.4% since 2018, or four interceptions off the expected pace. Nine total takeaways in the whole may not seem like a lot over three seasons. But then again, more than half of Nebraska's 32 games under Frost have been decided by one score or less. So you'd rather have them than not, that's for sure. Those turnover numbers, while steady on a national scale year to year, are bouncing all over the place at the team level. The 2017 UCF defense recovered 70% of opponent fumbles, and 28.6% of its passes defended were interceptions. For the season, the Knights had 32 takeaways against an expected total of 225 Special seasons are made that way, though having an offense that averaged nearly 40 points per game helped too. So what are the 2021 Blackshirts supposed to do to end up on the lucky side of the ledger? There isn't much they can do that they haven't been doing already. In 2018, knowing teams can't just quote-unquote go get more turnovers, I started looking to see if there was a correlation between creating takeaway opportunities, force fumbles plus passes defended, or take ops for short, in actual takeaways, it's there, though it's only good to a point. About half of a team's takeaways can be explained by its takeoffs. And yet another turnover number that remains stable year to year. Over the past five seasons, it has required 3.4 takeoffs on average to produce one takeaway. In 2018, the Huskers ranked 10th nationally at 6.8 takeoffs per game, and 36th at 1.7 takeaways per game. 2019 remained strong. 18th at 5.9 takeoffs per game, and 18th at 1.8 takeaways per game. 2020 wasn't so strong. Nebraska's takeoffs dropped to 4.6 per game, 81st nationally, and his takeaways to 0.9, 109th. Still, top 20 in two of the three years, and it is a pretty good indication of how this defense is built. And if that's not enough, revisit Shenander's description of modern day defense before he even coached a game at UCF in 2016. In this quote, in this day and age of the way your offensive football is going, the way to win games on defense is sacks plus turnovers minus explosive plays. We have to be aggressive. We have to take some chances. Close quote. Huskers haven't checked the sacks box yet. And limiting explosive plays has been a mixed bag too. But they have created the opportunities for takeaways. Now they just need to, you know, get what they've earned out of those situations. Getting way more than they earned wouldn't be out of the question, given nearly two decades of particularly bizarre turnover behavior impacting the Huskers. Does experience make a team luckier? I've never explored that, but I'm pretty comfortable saying no. Turnovers don't work that way. In fact, they don't really work anyway. They remain random. Creating more takeaway opportunities helps a little. Playing with a lead helps a little because teams at trail throw more often, leading to more potential interceptions. Sadly, there's no magic wand for that. It's not like Nebraska's been trying to play uphill for much of the past three seasons while looking at a deficit on the scoreboard, though that's what has happened. Particularly active secondary also helps a little, again because of Interceptions. Nebraska has the potential to check that box in 2021 at least. But beyond that, we're just waiting for the coin flips. It's not a discussion I like, you like, or coaches like, because there's no control. Experience probably doesn't generate luck, but it does at least afford the luxury of talking about it. Let's go back to that uncomfortable amount of money I asked you to metaphorically put up at the start. But instead of betting it, let's invest it. If you could buy into a few defensive categories this season... That would maximize your return at the end of the year, i.e. produce the highest rated overall defense, what would they be? I'd put the largest share of my metaphorical money on the run defense, as measured by rushing success rate. Nebraska has a defensive line that, just recently, showed us capable of doing that at a level that holds up in the run-stoppingest conference of them all. I'd hedge that with a small buy in the secondary's ability to be a high-havoc rate group. That one's a bit more of a gamble based on the most recent results. It's less of a play on what will happen and more of a play on what needs to happen, especially if the run defense is strong. The Blackshirts will see more passes in 2021 if that's the case. Nebraska has two super seniors at safety. It has a potential star at cornerback. It has good young talent and a great position coach in the secondary to fill in and strengthen any gaps. That group has the potential to be an active unit with a lot of pass breakups, which theoretically is a good way to put yourself in position for interceptions. If the rush defense improves to, say, a top 40 level, and the pass defense comes back closer to average, I'd feel pretty good about my black shirt's portfolio. That would be a defense that was close to achieving what it probably should with so much experience back. It's a defense I'd put in the 24 points per game range, and you can win some games that way. I won't be putting any of my money on the turnovers portion of this discussion. Though if you're looking for an unlikely get-rich-quick scheme, Throw it down on the Huskers averaging more than two takeaways per game. It's going to happen one of these years. And if it coincides with a year when the offense finally eliminates some giveaways, watch out. The game day crew will be here talking about how an 8-1 Nebraska is back and in the playoff discussion. If that record is largely based on turnovers, it probably won't be true, or at least not sustainable. But that happens all the time with breakout seasons. Still, too random for my blood. My metaphorical money goes to the more consistent parts of the game. And if experience doesn't get you that, consistency, what's it really good for? Big picture, the Blackshirts are a good bet to hold up their end of the deal this season. The offense? That's a more complicated discussion, one we'll have on the next episode of the I Eighty Preview Podcast. If you like these kinds of discussions, please subscribe and rate the show. Also, consider a Hail Varsity subscription to get access to all of our premium online content around the Huskers, as well as monthly issues of our almost award-winning magazine. That again. Seriously, it's fine. Jaws didn't win Best Picture in 1976. One flew over the cuckoo's nest did. Fine film. When's the last time you watched that? Thanks for listening. A Hoodat Media Production.